Last week, I began speaking about the uh, concept of an of, of a patriarch or a founder of a nation, and also some of the ideas that are involved, the, the structure, what's involved in being an of. Uh, in other words, I had <clears throat> been speaking previously about Avramovino and the different concepts which are involved in Avramovino. And uh, last week I had now begun to generalize into a, a structure. What is the general structure? What are the general ideas which are concerned with all the others? This week what I'm going to do is continue and really finalize and specialize and go into more detail. What is an of all really all about? In other words, our office, Avram, Yitzchok, and Yaakov, if we do not look at their maizim specifically or in detail, but rather look at the general idea of what constitutes an of, what is the idea, what is the meaning of an of, this is what I want to go into uh, now. And then eventually, of course, uh, I'll return to the idea of, of course, Yitzchak and continue into the others. As we continue, our understanding of history as the expression of the Mishichan, which is what I've been doing until now. Now, when we look at an of, we can best understand that in terms of analyzing the tafkidim or the responsibilities, the obligations, the charges, the duties of an of. And when you think about it, basically it comes down to the fact that there are four tafkidim. In other words, all the others have four different tasks. And their history, the stories about them, reflect basically these four tafkidim. Now, under each tafkid, we can look at four different areas. Or rather, under each tafkid, we can look on three different, uh, four different areas. First, we can understand what is the tafkid, the definition, what is the task itself, in a clear way. The second area which we want to investigate is the, how is the tafkid to be understood in, from the concept of a Merkava, which we said was the essential idea of the others. The third idea is that each the third idea is that each of has a different chilek in that tafkid. In other words, each of performed the tafkid in a certain way that perhaps was different than the other of us in as respect to that particular task. There's a third area to examine the different ways that each of handled the different tafkidim. And the fourth area is that how is the successful conclusion of each of what does that have to do with Klai Yisrael? How did that benefit the descendants of the Ovas? Okay? So we've got four areas. We're going to look at each tafkid, each purpose, and there are four. We're going to look at the concept of the tafkidim, how they are uh, uh, built, how they are founded in the concept of Merkava. The third idea is that each Ov's chelik in that tafkid, each of singular unique contribution in that task. And the fourth would be, how does this affect Israel? In what way? This is what we're going to do in this year. Each of, as I said previously, had four tafkidim, four purposes. Let's begin understanding the uh, tasks of the of. And uh, 
As such, of course, when we understand all these ideas, all the tasks, and the different areas in those tasks, then you can look into the others in Chumash, of course, with a different eye. <coughs> the first <coughs> task or tafkid of the of, of each of, was to procure the concept of a Merkava. In other words, to make sure that they enter into an agreement with the Rabbani Shalom and they become the Merkava. Okay, that's to initiate the stage or the state, I should say. So therefore, the first task is to procure the concept of Merkava in the first place, to enter that state where they are a Merkava. Now, the Merkava, the, the term Merkava, which is chariot, is synonymous in idea with the word or uh, term Yisrael and the term Sakan. All of them mean that whoever is a Merkava or whoever is Yisrael or whoever is a Masakin means that they have the ability to influence the amount of Ha'oro and Hester of the Rabbani Shalom Nebriya. They have the ability or the power to determine how much of the presence of God is revealed in the universe and how much of the absence of God is revealed in the universe. Of course, the Rabbani Shalom is not controlled by the individual who has his power. He subjugates his amount of presence or absence according to the actions of the individual in that sense. He voluntarily subjugates. That's the Rabbani Shalom. Therefore, that's the concept of Masaka, uh, or, or the concept of Yisrael or Merkava, that these individuals have the power of actually influencing the amount of the Rabbani Shalom in the Bria, and therefore, of course, the repercussions of that, of course, is awesome in terms of the Bria itself, in terms of the proliferation of evil when God is more absent, and the proliferation of good, good things happening to the universe when God is present. Tremendous power at the hands of a Jew. Okay, therefore, the first task was to procure this concept. Therefore, we find that Avram initiated the concept. He was the first. He is the one who made this covenant with the Rabbani Shalom at the outset. That's a bris bin Absarum, and that's the idea of the bris mila. We find that Yitzchok maintained the covenant. He didn't initiate, but he maintained the covenant. In other words, he kept up the tasks of the others in order to maintain the agreement that God has with the Ovis. However, even with Avram and Yitzchak, it's possible for both of them to lose the agreement. So therefore, it took Yaakov to finalize the concept. When Yaakov observed all the Tafkidim, the Nirbarishlam sealed the covenant with the Yidin, with, with uh, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and consequently, of course, to all their descendants. So, Avram is the initiator, Yitzchok is the maintainer, and Yaakov, of course, is the finalizer. <clears throat> and as a result, it now happens that the Jews, for all eternity, have this power, and of course, the Jews, as opposed to the other nations of the world, the Goyim, the Umas Oilam, they do not have this power, having lost it. And that's a subject I will deal with after I finish the others, the entire concept of Goy and Jew, and the entire structure of 6,000 years of history, how we understand it in the terms of Jewish history. That's a topic that I'll be dealing with later. In any case, now, where do we see this? We see this in, in, when we say in Siddha, when we talk, when we say Haidu, before Baruch Shama, if you're Asfad, and after if you're Ashkenaz, we say it, Ashikoras is Avram, that he made a covenant with Avram, Ushvuasoy Yitzchak, 
and he maintained his oath, which is the covenant to Yitzchak, by Yamidel, and he finalized it, and he established it, Yaakov to Yaakov, for an everlasting statute, the Israel to Israel, and to their descendants, bris oilam, an everlasting covenant. That's what that means. That sums up that tafkid. Avram initiated it, Yitzchak maintained it, by maintaining the tafkidim of the Ov, and Yaakov, of course, finalized it. And we will see, when we talk about Yaakov, how mamish in the chumish you could see that the Rebbeinu finalized the concept of the bris, which I'll show you then. With mamish a remez in the posik, that the, fi- the, 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 uh, the initiation, of course, is open. The bris ben absarum. We see clearly in, in the chumish and the idea of milah. But the finality of it, you see marumas in the Torah, that in Yisrael, the finality... Uh, of the bris, of course, it was achieved. Now, in terms of Kleisel, this, of course, the power to influence the amount of Ha'ora or the Shekhinah, and that Shekhinah is really the Ha'ora of the Rabbani Shalom, the amount of power to bring the Shekhinah into the Bria or to remove the Shekhinah from the Bria was given over to their descendants. This is the idea of the Ovis as a Shurish. Each of Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov was a shurish. What does that mean? That means that whenever they did an act, they could indent or impress a specific concept in their neshama. That neshama, which would be extremely great, would be parceled out, so to speak, and given to other individuals after them. That would be their descendants. As a result, all descendants who therefore have the neshama of Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov as their sherish, right, would then have the similar qualities or the indents of the original of us. So therefore, there was a certain period of time, which we'll talk about later, where any person's act would actually leave an impression on his neshama. And if that neshama was divided and given to others, they would automatically, intuitively feel those characteristics which the original individual indented or impressed on that Ishama. As such, that, that's called the generation of Shroshim. So therefore, Avram was a Shurish, Yitzchak and Yaakov. In other words, they had the power to influence or actually change their Nishamas, therefore, and therefore, that's number one, and their Nishamas would be roots to other Nishamas, and as such, other neshamas later will actually feel the imprint internally, intuitively, actually without any avoda at all, because they have the neshama of the ovus. So therefore, the ovus as the power of being a shirish, therefore meant that every time they did something, their descendants would benefit by the mere fact that the descendants would have the neshama of the ovus. In different halakum. Therefore, since the first tafkid was to procure the concept of covenant, agreement, or bris, which means to procure the power of a masakin, and each of was involved in getting that tafkid, that, that purpose, they internalized it in their shirish by the fact that they were shroshim. They internalized it for all Klai Israel by the fact that they were shroshim. This is the first tafkid of the Ovis. The procurement of the concept of a Masakin, all three Ovis were involved in the Ravoido, and the fact that they gave it all to Klai Yisrael from the fact that they were Shroshim. What is the next tafkid? Well, this is the first concept, or the first tafkid. And that obviously, a lot of 
the stories in the Chumash, the Maisim, of course are involved in the idea that Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov have to procure this concept of Misakim. What's the second Tafkid? The second Tafkid of each of is to promote the Rebbeinu to promote, to promote the concept of Hashem as a Melech or an Odoin, as a king or a master of the universe. In other words, to promote the concept that God is an absolute authority, absolute supreme authority, the master of the universe. The idea of Yichut Shli that the Rebbeinu is unique in his ability to control everything and nothing could at all could withstand whatsoever the control of the Rebbeinu Shlomo. That's a melech, that's an absolute king. This was the second tafkid, to promote that concept. Now, that tafkid itself is divided further, is subdivided in two tafkidim, two sub-tafkidim, two sub-purposes. The first is that the of themselves had the avodah to perceive the Rebbeinu Shlomo, and the second is that they had to proclaim or publicize this concept. That's all in the idea of to promote the concept of Hashem as Melach. Now, in the idea of perception, each of had to work in seeing the Rabbani Shalom as a Melach. It wasn't automatic because he was, Avram certainly had to work because Terach, who was his father, of course, believed in Avadazar. But even Yitzhak and Yaakov had to work to understand this. It wasn't given over right away. What does that mean? All of us had to work to perceive the Rabbani Shalom, to understand the Rabbani Shalom as a Melach. And they did it by their own idea, by their own laboring, and therefore understanding the Rabbani Shalom. And in that way they engaged in philosophical inquiries and proofs to come to the understanding of the Rabbani Shalom. That's Yediyah. And they also carried on the Amuna, which was a transmission that the Rabbani Shalom is a Melach, by Shem Ve'eveh. Hashem Ve'eva was still around at that time in that yeshiva, which we know. And therefore, what they were teaching, of course, is a transmission of the tradition, that doctrine that God is king, which they, of course, received all the way back to Adam Rishon. So the others had Yediyah and Amunah. First they had Yediyah because they worked out understanding through philosophical proofs, the logical proofs that the Rishon is a Melech, and the common ways that, of course, Avraham Avinu looked at the Bria, and he saw purpose and design in the Bria, therefore he understood. Chazal gave some understanding of some of his reasoning processes. But not only Avram, who did that, but also Yitzchak and Yaakov, and also, so, that, so they got a idea of the Rebbe they also had to work on Imun in the sense that they listened to the transmission that was given by Shem Ve'ever, which went all the way back from Adam Rishon, that doctrine or tradition which was transmitted, and in the time of Avram, Yitzchak and Yaakov, there was Shem Ve'ever. Now, where do we see that? <clears throat> we see that in the Shemona Esrei. Chazal say, or the Mephoshim say, that it says in Shemona Esrei, Elokeinu v'lekeavaseinu, the God who is the God of our fathers, the God Elokeavrom, Elokeyitzchot v'yakov, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Why does it say the God who is the God of our fathers? And then it says the God of Avram, God of Yitzchot and Yaakov. You already said that, by saying the God of our fathers. And our fathers are Avram, Yitzchot and Yaakov. The answer to that is that each of knew the Rabbani Shalom or perceived them because of two directions. One was from the directions of Avosenu, meaning the Emunah, the historical transmission which they got 
Yitzchok and Yaakov got from Avram and Yaakov from Yitzchok and Avram and Avram of course from Shem Ve'ev and so on but also each one worked out his own idea. so therefore God was the God of their fathers which is the historical transmission that's the Imuna and also he was also individually the God of Abraham the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob because each one labored to understand the reversion Mitzana's own Hakira and Moifus, Mitzana's own demonstrations into the universe to understand that the Rabbanu Shem is an Odun and Melach. And that's, what that, that, that's why it says twice uh, in Shemona Esrei, to understand that, that the perception of the Rabbanu Shem has to come from two directions. Your own gear to verify the idea of the existence of the Rabbanu Shem and then he's a Melach in the Bria, through reasoning, which is what they did, and it can be known, contrary to what Goyim saying, and Apikosim. And the second idea, of course, is to believe the transmission, the emuna that each one gets as a result of Shem Ve'eva, or because you get it from the Ovis themselves, which was in the case of Yitzchak and Yaakov. Okay, that is the first task, subtask, under the general task of to promote the Rebbeinu as an Odoin, as a Melach. The second task was to proclaim or publicize this concept. And of course, we find the others engaged in this, promoting to publicize the Rebbe Shalom throughout the Bria as much as possible. But each one, of course, did it in their different ways, and they did it in different extents. Uh, Avram, of course, would seem to have done it the most, Avram Avinu, by making Gerem and going out and proclaiming throughout the world that the Rebbe Shalom is the Melech. Yitzchak and Yaakov would have done that, not to the extent of Avram more so in their own being as a model because that's what Avimelech said to Yitzchak and so on that I see that you're a man of God how does he see that? because through the righteousness of Yitzchak himself he was able to perceive that and so on so therefore each individual of course they, they proclaim that and publicize this to the people around them and whoever would come in to listen and so on but in any case all the others were involved and most specifically Avram in the tafkid of to publicize or to proclaim this concept. That is the concept of promoting the Rabbani Shalom. Either first is to perceive and second is to proclaim. That is the general tafkid. Now, in terms of its base of a Merkava, we understand. Because what's the idea of a Merkava? To bring the Rabbani Shalom, who is the driver, to the world, to the Olam. In other words, to all creation. In other words, to bring the concept of his Malchusai, which was hidden to bring it to all creation. So that's the Merkava. The Merkava, when we say that Chazal and the Merkava, the idea of the Merkava is to bring the driver to the destination, which means to bring the Hasoga of the Malchus of the Rabbanishlam to creation. Therefore, the Merkava automatically indicates that one of the Tafkidim is automatically going to be to promote the Rabbanishlam as an Odoin or Melach on the Bria. It's attached. So this, of course, is the Second tafkid. Now, in terms of the uh, how it happens to how it influences Klal it influences Klal in interesting ways. How do we feel this? This fact that the others indented or they they uh, impressed upon the neshama this yegiya, this effort to perceive God and proclaim it. This has its uh, implications in the Shomer in terms of what's called in Yiddish Pinteliyid. There's a certain concept called Pinteliyid, which means that if you walk over to a Jew who's fried, and you begin talking about 
religion on so, so, whatever religion God Judaism whatever you're going to awaken something internally that lies in his soul you awaken it that's called the pintaliyid that point even though it seems that he's gone from Yiddishkeit and he's frying he's in Machal Shabbos and so on and there's no belief in God and so on however every Jew because they have one of the shrushim of uh, the Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov automatically has a desire internally to perceive, to know the Rebbe Shalom, and to become close to him, to become Dovik in the Rebbe Shalom, automatically. And all you have to do is come out to a Jew and tap it in some fashion. You have to look for the point of entrance, and that's not always an easy task. But if you find the point of entrance, the Jew is misuver automatically to begin thinking and searching for the Rebbe Shalom. This is the idea of Pintayid, that actually becomes part of their descendants. In other words, that Jews have the desire internally to seek God, which means to perceive the Rabbi Islam, to know Him, and to get close to Him. Jews have that internal desire, and that's why you find Jews are so often part of the, these cultist movements. What are they doing there? They're out of all proportion to their numbers, because Jews are tremendous seekers. Internally, in their neshama, they search for the Rabbi Islam. So therefore, they'll seek. That's that, that, and that explains why. Because the, the pintaliyid always forces the Jew. That shirish of Avraham Yitzchak Yaakov forces the Jew to seek meaning, seek God. But unfortunately, he many times goes astray because the Yitzhak Sitrachva tries to show him other directions and so on. But that desire to seek and why the Jew is always out of proportion to his number in all these crazy cults and uh, Eastern religions and Buddhists and so on, that is why you have that uh, as, uh, as a result of this, this concept called Pintaliyid. Now, the Gemara also says, Ma'aminim ubnei Ma'aminim, which is the same idea, that Jews are Ma'aminim, they believe in God, and they also are bnei Ma'aminim, they are descendants of those who believed in God. And who are those? The others. Why does the, why does the Gemara say Ma'aminim ubnei Ma'aminim? Because the reason why Jews are Ma'aminim is because they have it indented in their souls from the Ma'aminim that they are descendants of. In other words, Avram Yitzhak Yaakov has given the power or the urge, the search, the intuitive desire to seek the Rabbani Shalom. Put it in the Nishamas because they sought the Rabbani Shalom through the DNA Muna, therefore that's embedded in the Nishama. So every Jew has that pintali to seek God, to perceive the Rabbani Shalom and to get close to him. And you, all you have to do is, see, is get to the right entrance and you've got it. Now, that's in terms of the idea of perceiving God. In terms of publicizing the Rabbani Shalom, again, all Jews have that. Jews have a very strong social instinct. They stay together very much. They interact with other Jews. And you always find Jews trying to impress their views on other Jews. That's classic. Where does that come? That's the desire of the Jews to publicize, to impress upon others, especially other Jews, what they believe in themselves. This is the idea of Jews. Jews always are telling what they think. They always have a day about something. Then that comes from the fact that Jews have it in their nature to proclaim what they believe, to tell it to other Jews. Unfortunately, sometimes it's wrong, and they try to proclaim and tell it to other Jews. But that nature, the, the desire to tell other Jews, not only other Jews, that desire to tell even Goyim about what they believe, that comes strongly from the others 
which proclaimed the Rabbi Islam throughout the Bria because they were involved in proclaiming, publicizing, telling the other people the truth so Jews are always caught up in proclaiming the truth to others they're always at the head of activists and these kind of uh, 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 the activists and so on you know, people who are always trying to uh, opt for change in that sense or to proclaim truth so uh, political movements and so on Jews are always ahead of political movements and so on because Jews have a desire to proclaim what they feel is true Unfortunately, sometimes what they feel is true, of course, is wrong, so it's also bad in a certain sense. But that desire to proclaim comes from the second sub-tafkid, which is to proclaim the truth, which is part of the tafkid of to promote the Rabbani Shalom altogether. Therefore, we see that uh, the Jews, therefore, inherited from both sides the perception, which is at Pintaliyid, and also the idea of the uh, proclaiming the Rabbani Shalom, which gives them that strong instinct to interact or to impress other Jews and even Goyim. Now, this is the idea of um, this is the idea so far of the uh, the uh, second tafkid. Now, <coughs> what I want to mention is that again, is that when I talk about the others uh, as a result of the others work they have read of the others, that they were able to give it to their Klai Israel, I mean as a national trait, that Jews as a national people, as a people, have this trait. I'm not talking about specific individuals, but Jews as a nation unto themselves, a national trait or characteristic, have this as a result of the avoid of the others. Now, one more thing. Each of, even though he perceived the Rebbein Shalom as a result of his own Yagiyah, his Yagiyah, and his Amunah, and also he publicized this concept, right? And we see also how it's part of the Merkava and also how the Jews inherited these qualities in their own Shama. It's important to note that each of the others perceived the Rabbani Shalom in the same way, but each one has a, had a strong emphasis in the way he perceived the Rabbani Shalom. Avram perceived very clearly and very strongly the Chesed of the Rabbani Shalom to a tremendous degree. He was tremendously in tune with the idea that the Rabbani Shalom is a murdi bal chesed. In other words, he perceived that quality of the Rabbani Shalom in an extremely strong degree. Of course, he perceived the Rabbani Shalom in other, all the other areas as well. But this is what really made a Rabbani in his neshama in that sense. Therefore, of course, he was involved to an incredible extent in being a bal chesed, which I'll talk to a little later in terms of the other tafkidim of the others. Now, Yitzchak perceived the Rabbani Shalom in terms of his gevura, his incredible strength, his ability to control and to regulate the Bria and to be exact in justice. That's what Yitzchak perceived, this gevura, this awesome strength of the Rabbani Shalom. Therefore, Yitzchak, of course, personified the gevura of the Rabbani Shalom most, most intensely. Of course, Yitzchak perceived the other things also, but for some reason this hit him the most. And of course, Yaakov, Yaakov perceived the truth of the Rabbani Shalom most strongly. In other words, the idea of Torah, which is truth, he perceived the idea that the Rabbani Shalom has an incredible amount of that the, the right combinations that must be had in terms of one's midas, how it's given, he perceived that. In other words, there's both chesed and din or gvura in the universe, in different measures. That's the idea of MS. 
he perceived truth means that the he perceived that the Rebbeinu acts in accordance with truth, which is really Chesed and Gevura. Therefore, Yaakov perceived that mostly, and therefore each of, as a result of that, the fact that they perceived these traits of the Rebbeinu more acutely, they therefore proclaimed this perception most strongly to others. Avram proclaimed the Chesed, Yitzchak the Gevura, and Yaakov the Emes. Most strongly because they perceived especially these characteristics of the Rebbeinu in the Bria. I'll talk about this a little more when we talk about the next tafkid uh, of the Ovis. So therefore that's the second tafkid of the Ovis. The idea, the promoting the concept of the Rebbeinu as a Melech and Odin, that these basically are subdivided into two ideas, to perceive the Rebbeinu and to proclaim this concept. Also that these ideas are rooted in the Merkava, and that each of has a different chilek in this perception and proclamation, publicizing, and also what the inheritance of we as Jews means as a result of their avoider, and the fact that they are shirish, and therefore they can give this over to their descendants. Now, the next tafkid is the idea that the Ovis spent a tremendous yegiyo labor in taking the will of God to take Hashem's will and to make it their own this is what they did the next target is to reflect the will of God to reflect it in terms of one's own will in other words to take the will of God and to make it the content of one's own will so where your will coincides with the will of the Rabbi Islam. in other words that they would adopt Hashem's will as their own, of course, through Bechira, through free choice, free will. This is what they, the next tafkid of the Ovas was. And of course, that would also mean that they would adhere to his will in a very strong fashion. This was the next tafkid of, uh, of the Ovas. Now, this also is, further, is subdivided into two ideas. To adapt the Rebunisham's will as one's own is basically divided into two ideas. One is to adapt the Rebbeinu's characteristics or his attributes and assume them as one's own. Because if a person is a Baal obviously he wants to be. His will is to be a Baal If God is a Baal it means that his will is that he wants to be native or be a Baal Therefore, the Rebbeinu's characteristics or his attributes are nothing more, of course, than a response to his will. Therefore, if the others want to uh, adapt his will, then they would also adapt his characteristics. Now, if you remember what I said previously, that the attributes of God is merely his guise, his projected personality. But we do not know who and what he is. But in terms of his personality, as he presents himself to the Bria, he has specific traits, specific characteristics. And that is his will. Therefore, the others who adapt that, of course, uh, they adapt those characteristics. In other words, the others would imitate or they would emulate, they would personify those characteristics of the Rebbeinu This is the first uh, subheading under the idea of to adapt the Rebbeinu will as one's own. The second uh, idea, the second heading or the, the division of adapting the Rebbeinu will as one's own is that every of adapted the Tariq Mitzvahs. Because it is the will of the Rebbeinu at that point in time 
that these mitzvahs should be observed by man, even though he didn't command man, but it is his will that they should be observed by man. Therefore, they who are very sensitive to what the will of the Rabbi Yishlam, they adopted those Tayyad mitzvahs. And included in that is the fact that they were most nefesh. They would give their lives in order to make sure that they would continue observing those Tayyad mitzvahs. And we see the fact that that uh, of course Avram and Yaakov we see clearly adopted the tired mitzvahs because by Avram it says that Avram the Bereshim says that Avram observed my terrorists, my mishpotim, my mitzvah signs, sir, and the Bereshim says that in Bereshis and by Yaakov it says im loven garti, I lived with loven, so Chazal say that garti is the same oisius as taryad which means I lived with loven and I observed the 630 mitzvahs which shows us of course that Yaakov was observing 630 mitzvahs now, of course, if Avram and Yitzchak and Yaakov were doing it, of course, Yitzchak was certainly doing it. So, therefore, the others were adopting the will of God as their own, not only in terms of the characteristics that they would assume, that they would emulate or personify, but also in the sense that they adopted the Tariyad Mitzvahs, which is the will of God that these things should be observed by observed by men. And also, they were most nefesh. That's how strong they wanted to observe these Tariyad Mitzvahs. And you see the Messiah's Nefesh, of course, by the Ovis, by the Kivshin or Eish that they threw off Rome in the fire. Nimrod had him thrown into the fire. If he wouldn't give up his beliefs and so on, of course, and Avram allowed himself to be thrown into the fire, which is Messiah's Nefesh for the Rabbanishlam, to his will, to adopt his will, not give up, the Amunah. And the second thing is by the Akedah, that Yitzchak, of course, gave up his life, was willing to give up his life for the will of the Rabbanishlam. If that is what God wants, if that's his will, his sivoy, his commandment, then he is willing. Of course, that has repercussions in terms of Jews, which I'll get into, all these ideas. The ideas of the fact that they adapt his characteristics, the idea of the fact that they observe the Tayyagmitsus, and the idea that they must nefesh for those Tayyagmitsus, those have profound implications in the internal soul of Christ's world, and they therefore have intuitive uh, feelings in that direction, which I'll get into. In any case, this is the third tafkid of the Olas, is to adapt the will of the Rabbi Yishlam, and that is subdivided in the sense of to adapt his will and therefore assume the same characteristics or attributes as the Rabbi Yishlam, to personify them. And the second idea is to adapt the will of the Rabbi Yishlam by adapting the Tayyag Mitzvahs and to be most nefesh for those Tayyag Mitzvahs. Now, the connection to the Merkava, of course, is that the Merkava can only bring the driver to his destination if the Merkava does not have a will of its own. If somebody's sitting on horses and the horses who have a will of their own decide not to do with the driver, the driver's going to wind up in someplace else other than the destination he wants because the horses are embodying their own will. They, I mean, they, they're doing what they want to do. So therefore, in order for the horses to bring a driver to his destination, they have to accede to the will of the driver and make that their own will. The chariot, of course, is an inanimate object that has no will of its own. But the idea is that the others have to become like a chariot where they resemble an inanimate, inanimate object. That the, their will is mamish the will of the Rabbanishlam. Even though they adopt this will, of course, with free will, Bechira. But in essence, they are adopting the will of the Rabbanishlam. And that's what the chariot is. The chariot indicates not only the purpose of the chariot, but also the way of getting to that purpose. And that is to become a chariot, to adapt the will of its driver, to become an inanimate chariot, which in the case of a human being means, since he does have a will, 
and he's animate, is to adopt the will of the Rebbe Islam, to make that the content of your will. So therefore, that's how the third tafkid flows from the principle or the symbolism of the chariot. Now, what's also important to understand is that, uh, yeah, now in terms of how each of observed these mitzvahs, or how each of observed this, we see that each of adopted a different meter of the Rebbe Nishlam, a different attribute. That what the others, they emulated, in other words, each one emulated the Rebbe Nishlam in a different respect. Avram emulated the Rebbe most strongly in Chesed, Yitzchak most strongly in the attribute of Gvura, strength or din, and Yaakov in the, in, the, in the attribute of MS, the desire for, tremendous desire for truth. So we see that each of emulated the Rebbe Shalom because each one was adapting the will of the Rebbe Shalom, but each of took on a midah, a specialty in a midah. Of course Avram was also Gvura and MS, and Yitzchak was also Chesed and MS, and Yaakov was also Chesed and Gvura. But the specialty of each of, of course, was, was that midah. And one of the reasons why they adopted that specific meter so strongly is because each of came from a different source in terms of the spheres of the Rebbe Islam. And that'll, be, that'll talk about probably next week. In the sense that the aspect of the chesed, how chesed emanates from the Rebbe Islam, Avram emanated from that aspect, therefore he was more attuned to the chesed. He perceived and personified it. Yitzchok was more attuned to the gvura, that sphere which deals with Gvura, therefore he was his Shurish came from that side, therefore he was of course attuned to Gvura, and Yaakov was Tiferes, which is that aspect of truth of the Rebbe Shalom, therefore that's where his Shurish was, therefore he was more attuned to adopting, of course, Chese, uh, excuse me, uh, Emes or Tiferes, which I'll talk about probably next week. Now, therefore, <coughs> each of, of course, emulated or personified the Rebbe Shalom in all respects, but most strongly in one middle, because generally because they perceived the most strongly that way and more importantly because each one's shirish came from one of those particular spheres which is the source of the attribute of the Rebbein himself. Now, this is the idea of the others adapting the will of God in terms of their uh, characteristics. Now, besides the fact that each one, as I said, emulated, each one of course observed the Taigmatis as I pointed out, that was each one's chilek, and each one, of course, was most nefesh for the Tayyad mitzvahs. As I pointed out, Avram and the Kifshan, and Yitzchak, of course, in the Akedah, and even Yaakov by Lovin, were actually, to observe the Tayyad mitzvahs, was actually uh, a rather uh, sakonistic profession. Uh, in any case, <clears throat> but there you had the mysterious nefesh of each of, the, the observance of the mitzvahs of each of, and you had the emulation of each of in all the mitzvahs, but specifically in one mitzvah. So therefore, we see what the tafkid is, right? What the tafkid more? We see how, how it uh, how it emerges from the the, uh, the metaphor of the chariot, the merkava, and we see how each one, each of they observed this tafkid and how each one specialized. Now, how do we see this in Klai Yisrael? What did they leave us as a Yerusha from the fact that they are a shirish and therefore they can indent or impress upon the neshama? And we will have a chilek of that nisham, of course, because they are our roots or sherish. How do we see it in terms of ourselves? Well, in very interesting ways. Uh, first of all, in the fact that the others observed the Tariyag mitzvahs, right, and, and were 
there was a tremendous avar in observing the Tariq Mitzvahs. When the Jews came to accepting the Tariq Mitzvahs, what was it? Nasa Venishma. It was really relatively much easier for them because they had a desire to accept the Tariq Mitzvahs, which means they had a desire intuitively to accept the Oil Malchushimayim, the yoke of heaven. And this, of course, was given by the others. In other words, that the Yidin are, accept, are much more readily, it's easier for them to accept the will of God, to accept the kingdom of heaven upon themselves, which is a Tayyag Mitzvah. And you see that, like I say, by Matantura, when not only did they accept it by saying, Nase Venishma, but Nase Venishma came first, which is a qualitative or superlative form of acceptance, where they said, we will do because you said so, we're maminim, and we will, and then we will understand. Then we'll try to understand. <clears throat> so not only did they accept it readily, but they accepted it in an incredible way. Whereas, at you, if you recall, the goyim, every one of them rejected it when it was offered at the time of Martin Terra, which I had mentioned previously. So therefore, the aspect, the tafkid which the others did in terms of accepting God, were readily given over to make it easy for the Jews to accept the Torah, even though they had gotten out of so many hundreds of years of slavery and already listening to the will of some other master, right? So you think that these people would want to be free by now. Adraba, they accepted the Torah, they traded one yoke for another yoke, and they recognized what the yoke of the Rebunshim was, and therefore they readily accepted it because of the avoid of the others. Now, that's in terms of accepting it. Now, in terms of uh, adhering strongly to this will, Chazal say, interestingly enough, that if Klai Yisrael, if if they are not prophets, then they are sons of prophets. What does that mean? It means that if they are not prophets because their maizim do not allow them to be a prophet, means they have not worked for the stage of prophecy, they are automatically sons of prophets, which means the Elvis, Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, or Nevi'im, that they are sons in the sense that they automatically intuitively have the characteristics of a prophet. And you know what that is? That they intuitively know the Ratzon Hashem. Jews have an intuitive feel of what the will of God is, even if it's not necessarily told them. That's the idea of, if they are not Nevi'im by virtue of their own Maizim, they are intuitive Nevi'im. They are intuitively aware of what God wants. And this is brought up beautifully by the story in, in the Gemara where, where Hillel, where they asked uh, Hillel, they said, what happens if somebody forgot to bring a knife on Pesach to Shech the Korban Pesach? And Pesach happened to be on Shabbos. So we know that Pesach is Dirch Shabbos. In other words, if Pesach comes out on Shabbos, you can Shech the Korban Pesach on Shabbos. It's Dirch Shabbos. It suspends the laws of Shabbos. What happens if you forgot to bring the knife? You, since you could have brought the knife yesterday, then bringing the knife itself does not necessarily, does not suspend Shabbos. So what's the halacha? So Hillel told them, I forgot. But he said, if the Jews are not Nevi'im, they are B'nai Nevi'im. That's where, that's where the statement comes from. Let us see tomorrow what they do. What do they do? So it says the Jews, they took their knives. He says, so he saw the Jews on the Mamash uh, in Pesach, and it was Erev Pesach or Shabbos. So they, they looked, they watched, and they saw that the Jews, and nobody told them this, that the Jews, they took the knife, and if you brought a Korban Pesach, it was a goat, so they stuck it in its horns. And if they brought a Korban Pesach, it was a sheep, they stuck it in its, sorry, in its uh, wool. 
And <laughs> that way, so really you're not allowed to carry it, but they allow the animal to carry it for them. And even though a person is Mitsuva, he's commanded on Shvisas Behemte, which means that he can't allow his he can not allow his animal to do work, but this is Shiloh Derach. It means it's not the normal way for the animal to carry something in its horns and in its hair. And that Chazal permitted. And when Hillel saw that, it says he was Niska, Rav Niska. He saw it and remembered the halacha from Shmai Vaftalian. He said, I remember that Shmai Vaftalian said that if you forgot to bring the knife, stick it in the horns of the goat and put it in the wool of the tzayin. Which shows you that the Eden intuitively knew what to do. That's what he said, if not Nevim, they automatically intuitively know the will of the Rebbe because the others were so strong in adhering, not only accepting the will of God, but in adhering to the will of the Rebbe Therefore, the Jews also had that quality. And so therefore, we see that the Jews have the quality in accepting, that's Nasib Nishma, in adhering, they can understand intuitively what the will of the Rebbe is, besides accepting it. What about the Messiah Snefesh? And that comes, of course, from the Akedah of Yitzchok and, and basically from the Kibshin of Avram and also from Lovin in terms of Yaakov. And here we see, because Chazal say, very interestingly enough, that the Jews, that there are three individual, three kinds of people, entities, which are murdic azus, very obstinate, very obdurate, a tremendous amkishi oref, a stiff-necked, he said the Jews among the nations are the most stiff-necked of all people. A dog among, among animals is the most stiff-necked among animals. And a rooster among birds, you know, rooster, very, very stubborn. Therefore, the meat of Azus comes from the Ovis, because they were very stiff-necked. They refused to give up their convictions about their belief in God, and they would rather go to the altar or to the fire or to be destroyed than give up the quality of Azus. Therefore, the meat of Azus of course, comes from the others. That quality of Aziz is what enables the Jews to be mercy nefesh for the Tayyad mitzvahs. And therefore, the Jews, they uh, of course, they emulate this from the shirish of the others, and as a result of that, they also have this Aziz, this obstinacy, this stubbornness. That's why the Rebbeim calls themselves, you're a kshe'orev, I'm kshe'orev. You're, you're a stubborn, a stiff-necked people. And Adraba, they got this from the others because of their azus against, uh, you know, against not believing or the temptations that they had not to believe in the Bershom, the Messiah Snefesh. And like Chazal say, that the Jews are most stubborn among the nations, besides the other two, and therefore this quality of azus in Messiah Snefesh with Tayyip Mitzvah comes from the others. I will have to continue the uh, other Midas, how the Jews inherited that from the others next week. Now, just to provide a, a, a brief review of last week, what we're doing now is going into the conceptual structure of an of. In other words, what are those ideas which generally uh, uh, create the concept of of? In other words, I'm not going into the ovus themselves in terms of the Chumash and analyzing the incidents and the stories about them, but I'm really presenting the general idea of an of and what does it mean to be an of, a patriarch, like Avrom Yitzchak and Yaakov? And last week I had mentioned <clears throat> that there are basically four elements to this idea. The idea of a tafkid, which is the task of the of. The second idea is the basis of that task in the metaphor of a Merkava. The third idea was that each of's chilek, or each of's contribution toward that 
of fulfillment of that task. And the fourth, of course, is the idea that each of, of course, was a shirish, a root for Klai Yisrael. And as such, somehow gave over an inheritance to Klai Yisrael because each of us really partake of the neshamas of the others. Now, I had mentioned that there last week, I had mentioned three. The first uh, idea, the first tafkid or task is the idea that the others had to procure the concept of masakin, that they had to uh, uh, get this idea of a masakin, which I explained previously. In other words, Avram initiated that concept, Yitzchok maintained that concept, and Yaakov finalized that concept. This was a contribution, of course, to each of it, of, of toward the task of uh, procuring the concept of masakin. In addition, the, that which they bequeathed to Klai Yisrael, of course, was that all Yisrael, every Jew, can now be a Masakin to remove the deficiency of Hester, which was created by the Rabbani Shalom, and also that deficiency which was created by man. The second task, which I had mentioned last week, is the idea that each of had to promote the Rabbani Shalom as a Melach, as an Odoin, to promote God as King of the Universe, as a Master of All, the idea of Yichashli Tosoi. And I had mentioned that this is further subdivided into two different tasks. One is that they themselves had to perceive the Rabbani Shlodim. And the second is that they had to proclaim this concept, to publicize the concept that the Rabbani Shlodim is a Melech. These are the two tasks under the idea of promoting the Rabbani Shlodim as a Melech. Now, I had mentioned also last week how this is based in the concept of a Merkava, and also that the contribution of each of, of course, in terms of what they proclaimed and therefore what they perceived in a special way was the chesed of Avram, the kindness of Avram, the gvul or strength of Yitzchak, and the teferis, the beauty of Yaakov. And I had mentioned that the repercussions in terms of their descendants is that in the first task in terms of perceived Rebbe we have the idea called Pintaliyid, which I explained last week. And the idea of proclaiming <coughs> Proclaiming the Rabbani Shlom and to publicize this, that idea, that which was left in terms of Klai Yisrael is that Jews tend to be very idealistic. They, they tend to be proclaim their ideals and they generally have activist tendencies in terms of what they believe. The third idea which I had mentioned, the third task of each of, was to adopt and to adhere to the Rabbani Shlom's will, to accept his will to adopt it and to strongly adhere to what God wants. And I had mentioned that this is further subdivided into two tasks. One is to adopt Tariyad Mitzvahs because that's God's will, that people observe the 613 commandments. Therefore, this is what the Ovis did. And the second is that the Ovis were involved in personifying those attributes <coughs> in themselves, that they themselves lived emulated these attributes of the Rabbani Shlom. And I had mentioned how both of these ideas, or rather the idea of adapting and adhering to the Rabbani Shlom's will, how this is based in the metaphor of Merkava. And that each of, <coughs> in terms of what each of's contribution was, <coughs> that each of observed the Tayyad Mitzvah, and they were also Moise Nefesh, they gave up their lives to observe the Tayyad Mitzvah, and also this is in terms of the Tayyad Mitzvahs and also in terms of personifying the attributes that each of took a specific Midah, as I had mentioned, Chesed for Avram, Gvur for Yitzchok, 
and Tiferes for Yaakov. Now, in terms of what the Ovis gave over to Klai Yisrael as a national trait or national characteristic, I had mentioned last week that in the idea of Tariag Mitzvahs, in terms of accepting the Tariag Mitzvahs, this made it easy for the Jews to say Nasev and Nishma. In terms of adhering to the Mitzvahs, which the Ovis did, they adhered very strongly to these Mitzvahs, this gave the Jews the ability to know the Rabbani Shalom's will, Therefore, that's what it means by If they are not prophets, they are the sons of prophets. Knows they intuitively know the will of God. And in terms of the Ovis adhering to the will of God, to the Tariag Mitzvahs, and the fact that they gave up Messias Nefesh, Jews have a national trait of being Azus. Jews are very stubborn, very obdurate. They are And they will rather let themselves be killed than give up or renounce that which they truly believe. This is the idea of Azus and Jews, and that comes from the mysterious nefesh of the Of. This brings us to the end of the review, and I am now into the last idea, the last um, uh, characteristic that the Ovas gave to Klai Yisrael as a result of the personification of the attributes of God. In other words, that's where we're up to now. now we see that the third task was to adapt and to adhere to the will of the Rebbein which means the Tariq Mitzvah. And I just mentioned now how this idea was communicated or given over, transmitted in terms of a national, national trait to Israel, to Jews. What about the second task, or the second subtask, of personifying the attributes of God, which we know each of did, that Avram did Chesed, Yitzchak did Gvura, strength, and Yaakov did Tiferes, truth, which, and these ideas I'll explain later what these Midas are. In any case, what was the national trait that the Jews took as a result of the fact that the others personified those Midas, those attributes? What do we Jews today have as a result of that? And the answer to that is that the Gemara says, an interesting, there's an interesting Chazal that says that Klai Yisrael, Jews, have three different attributes. This, this is a uh, fundamental nature of Jews. And it says that whoever has these midas should uh, stick or cling to these people. What are the three midas that Chazal say that Klai Yisrael has? They're Baishonim, means they're shameful. They have the uh, trait of shamefulness. Uh, they are also Rahmanim, they are compassionate. And they are Gimli Chasodim. They are very, they give, uh, they, be, they give a lot of acts of kindness, charity, whatever. This is what Chazal say, that all Jews have those three attributes. And if we look closely, we can see that each one of these attributes really comes from one of. And again, we see that as a result of the fact that the Ovas personified the attributes of God, which was the second subtask in the general task of adapting the Rabbani Shalom's will and making it as one's own, Therefore, they of course personify these attributes, which is the will of the Rabbani Shalom, since he has them also. Therefore, um, we find that these three attributes, which Chazal say, are really nothing more than the inheritance of that which the others gave to their descendants, Klai How do we see that? Well, let's take a look at Baishonim. What does Baishonim mean? A Baishon. Baishon means one who is shameful, humble, humility. Notice there's no arrogance. One who's uh, shameful, there's no arrogance, there's no conceit in that individual. When does a person become a Baishan, shameful? 
when a person understands truth. A person is very humble in the face of truth. It's when a person doesn't perceive true reality that he's very arrogant. But however, when a person perceives truth, he's, a, he's humble, he's a Baishan. The meat of Yaakov was MS. Yaakov Avinu was a great pursuer of truth. And of course, part of that truth is knowing exactly where one stands in relationship to the Rabbanishlam. Yaakov perceives himself in relation to the Rabbanishlam as, of course, totally insignificant. And of course, he summed it up when he was running away, when he was going to meet Esav. He said himself in that prayer, that on the contrary, I am very small in terms of, in other words, I don't deserve all the chasodim that you've given me. That's a baishan, that's shameful. That's an individual who's very humble, very embarrassed, or shameful in terms of taking chasodim from the Rabbi and admitting that, look, I'm not really worth anything anyway. I mean, I can't say that I was deserving of the tremendous chasodim that you gave me. So Yaakov said, that I really not have deserved all the chasodim that you've give, given me. That's the meat of Baishan. And why did Yaakov, we see it especially in Yaakov, because Yaakov was a pursuer of truth, which is a pursuer of what the true reality is. The Asoga of the Yichud of the Rebbe that the Rebbe is absolute in the universe, and that man in himself is really insignificant, and the whole idea of it is that man should adopt and do the will of the Rebbe and that itself is what gives the Hashivas to man. So therefore the meat of Baishonim comes from Yaakov. That's the first midah. The second midah, Rachmanim, compassionate, which means not to be cruel, not to be an arzor, an individual who's cruel, a person who has no mercy on another individual. This comes from Yitzchak. And it's interesting, uh, and Yitzchak, of course, personified the midah of Gvura. What is Gvura? Gvura is an individual who has tremendous strength, ego strength. To fight one's own desires. That's a gibor. Like you see in Chazal, it says, Ezehe gibor Gvuro strength means an individual who's able to control his impulses. The Yitzhahara, Hakurvishis Yitzroy, his inclination. So, therefore, that's what Gvuro is. There's a tremendous strength in the individual to fight those impulses, to fight the Yitzhahara. And therefore, Yaakov, of course, Yitzchak, was very much. Uh, into self-perfection, not to allow the Yitzhar in any form to interfere with his Avodah. This was the major idea of Yitzchak. So, interestingly enough, that the Gevur of Yitzchak, uh, which uh, we will see later personifies really Din, why do we assume that Yitzchak is the one who is the one who shows compassion and not Avram or Yaakov? There's an interesting Gemara in Shabbos that says that the Rebbeinu in, in the Osset Lavoi is going to go over to uh, Avram Avinu and he's going to tell him Bonecha Chotu, your children have sinned. So Avram Avinu is going to say, well, then destroy them for your for your uh, sanctification of your name, Akidi Shemecha. And if, if they did take the sins, then justice has to be done. So if, if, they, if they are worthy of destruction, so destroy them. It's interesting that Avram should actually say this. But anyway, without going into the uh, deeper meanings of that tomorrow, uh, just understand it in terms of the three of us. Then the Rebbe Hashim says, well, let me take this to Yaakov. And he went to Yaakov and he said, Your children have sinned. 
So Yaakov said the same thing. Well, Yimochu, let them be blotted out al for the sanctification of your name. Here's what Yaakov said. So Yimochum said, well, neither of these, of course, uh, have defended Klai Let me go to Yitzchak. And the Yimochum went to Yitzchak, and the Yimochum said to Yitzchak, your children have sinned. So Yitzchak said, your children? You originally, my children? Originally you called them your children. You said they were B'ni B'chiri, my son, my firstborn, by, in Mitzrayim. Now you call them my children? That's what Yitzchak said. And then he, t- he starts tining with the Rebbe Islam, making a cheshbon, a reckoning. And he says, look, he says, let's, let's, let's be realistic. How many years does a man live? It is 70 years, right? So 20 years you can take right off because before 20 you don't punish anyway for sins. So you can't punish clients well. 25 years, so there's only left 50. 25 years you can throw away because a person sleeps for only close to half of his lifetime. So that you can throw away. So they obviously couldn't be doing sins then. There's only 25 years left, so I'll tell you what. So 12 years, 12 and a half years of that 25 years, you can disregard because basically those are basically a person is engaged in his own uh, needs. Uh, toilet needs, uh, in, in prayer, and eating food. I mean, half the half the life. A uh, quarter of a lifetime goes away on just fulfilling basic needs. There's only 12 and a half years left, okay. You take them all, you take 12 and a half years and you and if you don't want to take them all, then I'll take half and you take half and we'll both be and if that doesn't work, I have to take all 12 and a half, then let the fact that I went to the Akedah, let that be atoned for the 12 and a half years left of a man's life that you say Klai Yisrael lived. So the Baruchim, of course, uh, so what, what do we see? We see that Avram and Yaakov didn't come up with Rachmonus, because Rachmonus means to suspend the judgment against Klai Yisrael. Instead, Yitzchak is the one who came up to defend Klai Yisrael. So you see that the, the meat of Rachmonus, Rachmonim, comes from Yitzchak. And the interesting idea is that, Vura, yeah, the interesting idea is that what's the logical connection? Why is it a man who's on his own Yitzchak? Why is he all sudden compassionate to the others? Because a man who's involved in gavura, in strength, in working on himself, knows what it means to fail. He knows how difficult it is to be good against the eight Sahara. And therefore, how, because since he's involved in this tremendous conflict his whole life, therefore he has an understanding what this conflict is all about, how difficult it is to win. And therefore, if somebody doesn't win, that he has compassionate because he can identify with somebody who also went through that conflict and failed. So he can identify with that because usually a person who's involved in Gavuro, which means that being Kavish to Ronyetzar and so on, he can understand what it means to fail if others fail also. So therefore, the Indian of Rachmonim, compassion, of course, uh, it comes basically from Yitzchak. This we see from the interesting Gemara, of course, of Shabbos. One can talk in terms of what was the meaning of Avram and Yaakov, but I really want to just bring out the idea of Rachmanim and how this Midah is really logically extends from the personality of an individual who's a Gibo, who fights the Yitzhara, who is Kivish Yitzray, and this is Yitzchak. The last trait of Klai Yisrael, of course, is Gimli Chasadim, which of course is Chesed, and that classically comes from Avram. Chesed, Titin Chesed Le Avram, Emes Le Yaakov, Chesed Le Avram. And the idea of chesed, of course, to Avram is because Avram personified kindness and the fact that he was always trying to help somebody else. He's Achnosis Orchem, as we see in Parshas Vayera and so on. Therefore, the Midah of Gimli Chasodim, 
the tendency of the Jews to always be kind. Jews are always involved in social <coughs> areas of helping humanitarianism. Take a look at many hospitals. They're all the Jewish hospital of this, Beth Israel Hospital, Mount Sinai. All of these hospitals, Jewish hospital of chronic diseases, whatever. These hospitals were started by Jews. Jews are very philanthropic by nature. But they extend the tremendous, in, in, uh, they open up all kinds of gemach, uh, of, uh, to lend money and so on. Jews are always engaged in philanthropic kind of pursuits. And this midah comes from, of course, Avram, of Avram Avinu, who is, of course, a Baal Chesed, par excellence. That's in your Gimel Chasodim. Unfortunately, Jews also have a, the same midah. Jews are very big liberals. They're very tolerant of other people. And they're very much in allowing other people to also to, uh, to live, live and let live kind of policy. Liberalism comes from the idea of Gimnicha Sodom. And as we know, Jews are very liberal-minded people. And uh, therefore, in the elections, they always tend to vote that way. Jews are liberals. And sometimes it works, it, it, civil rights moves and movements and so on. Jews are always active in liberal, liberalism, liberal kinds of issues and so on. And unfortunately, many times it backfires because the very people that they do favors for and extend kindness usually turn around and, and of course, uh, castigate and criticize the Jews for some absurd kind of thing. But the, the, the nature of the Jew to be liberal in political issues and to tolerate other people comes from the meat of Grimm and because Jews have a tremendous amount of kindness. There you see, you see actually that the task that the Ov did, which is to personify the Midas of the Rabbani Shlam, that third idea, which goes under the idea of to adhere to God's will, this is given over as a national trait to Klai Yisrael, as, as we see in the Gemara, that they have these three Midas, these three attributes or traits, because the Ovis left us three distinct basic traits. Now, we're now into the fourth Midah. This, this ends the, the third idea, the third task, of course, which is to, to uh, adopt and to adhere to the Bernsham's will, which subdivides itself into listening to Tayyag Mitzvahs and being Moisad Nefesh for the Tayyag Mitzvahs. And the second subdivision is, of course, to personify the attributes. We are now into the fourth task of the others. And the fourth task of the others is to produce the Tikkunim. To actually make sure that the universe is corrected, and you recall what that was, that the original state of the universe was deficient in the sense that the presence of the Rabbani Shalom was removed from the universe, and it was the task of man to bring the Rabbani Shalom back by recognizing that God is supreme. And then Odom Rishon contributed to the further removal of the Rabbani Shalom by doing the sin, as I had mentioned previously. So therefore, the task of the office is actually to massacre the Bria, whether it be the Chasan or the Kilkel, means whether it be the Hester, the concealment of God's presence, that comes as a result of man's contribution, which is Kilkel, or the Hester, which comes as a result of God's contribution, which is the original Chasan. In any case, the Ovis had to actually produce the Tikkunim, which were not being produced for 2,000 years, since Adam. And where do we see the concept that produced the Tikkunim? Because in the Psikta Derav Kahana, it says that when Odom, that in the beginning by Odom Rishon, the Shechina was betachtonim, that the Shechina was on earth, and only a very small amount was actually hidden. However, after the Chet of, Chet of Odom Rishon, 
the Shekhinah went up the Milo and after the marble and so on, the Shekhinah went up to the seventh heaven. There are seven heavens or seven different levels of spirituality. In any case, that it went up to the seventh heaven. And there it was when Avram came along. As a result of Avram's Avoida, right, which we, we had mentioned, uh, the Shekhinah went from the seventh to the sixth. As a result of Yitzchak, from the sixth to the fifth. As a result of Yaakov, from the fifth to the fourth. And then all the way down to Moshe, which I'll mention later, it went all the way down, and by the time Klai got out of the Mitzrayim, it was all the way down back on earth. Okay? What is the concept of the Shekhinah going from up till down? Isn't that the idea of removing the Hester? Mm-hmm. That's what it means. In other words, well, as the Shekhinah gets closer to earth, it means that is the Tikkun. Formerly the Shekhinah was away from earth, right? <clears throat> or was driven away. Now it's being brought back slowly to the earth. And that's the concept that each of brought it back to each level of, 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 uh, of a Shemayim. They dis- it descended each level. And that means, of course, is what's being said. That is the Indian of the Tikkun, which means the Ha'ora. means to bring the Rabbani Shalom back into the universe. And we see it as a progression with the Shekhinah, which is the presence of the Rabbani Shalom, as manifested in the creation. Uh, we see it being lowered closer and closer to earth. So therefore we see that the others were involved in actually bringing the Rabbani Shalom back into the Brio, where mankind would realize the true reality that the Rabbani Shalom, of course, is the Melech of the Bria. This is the idea of the Shekhin coming down. Therefore, this is what the first, the fourth task of the Ovis, to actually do the Tikkunim, and as we see in the Medrash, the Psikta de Ravkana, we see it actually being accomplished by the Ov. Now, this of course emanates from the metaphor of a Merkava, remember the concept of Merkava, chariot, that the Ovis of the chariot, in that metaphor is embodied the whole idea of what the Ov is, and actually what Klai is, because each Jew is a Merkava, just like each Ov is a Merkava. Because what are the results of the chariot when it finally brings the driver to his destination? That the driver is at his destination. That is the Tikkun. Before the Rebbe was absent from the universe, right? And it's a job of the Ov and of all Klaisville after that to bring God back into the universe. That's the job of a chariot, to bring the driver back to his destination. So therefore, if the chariot accomplishes its purpose, right, then what happens? The driver is now at his destination. So therefore, the idea of to produce the Kunim is really, the, again, embedded in the idea of Merkava, that the Rebbe is back into the Bria as a result of the work or the Avodah of the Ovas. Now, notice that the, the Rebbe Hashem, the Shekhinah, is back again in the Tachtonim where it was previously absent. And that we see by the previous Medrash, that the Shekhinah was in effect brought down. In any case, this is how it's embedded in the idea of the Merkava. Now, what was each Ov's Chelek? I'm going through the different elements, if you recall. What was each Chelek of the Ov toward that Tikkun? Well, if you recall, that Avram Avinu was a Shurish of the Mashiach ben David, right? As I had said previously. <laughs> and as such, he was involved, basically, in his Pashtas Kedusha to spread the religion or to spread the nature or the knowledge of the Rebbe throughout the world. That's what his task was. And that is the task of the Mashiach ben David, if you recall. This is Pashtas Kedusha throughout. And that's what Avram was. 
the Mashiach ben David, the Sherish Mashiach ben David, which was involved, of course, in his Pashas Kedusha. Yitzchak was Gevura, as I had said before. Therefore, his task, of course, was to fight the Yitzhahara, and that's the idea of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Yitzchak is a Sherish, the Mashiach ben Yosef, and the task of the Mashiach ben Yosef specifically is to subjugate the Sitra Akron, not to allow it to to conquer, but to subjugate it under Kedusha. Therefore, Yitzchak was involved, of course, in Kivish, is Yitzray, to, to uh, conquer the Yitzhahara. And as such, of course, he was the Shurish of the Mashiach ben Yosef. Now, it's important to know that Yitzchak's job was internal. It means it wasn't an external where he had to go into Golas. Means you know uh, this, which is the sitra achra outside. He had to go go among goyim, and he had to fight to remain a Jew even among goyim. Yitzchok's main idea, because he lived in Eretz Israel, and he didn't go into Golis like Avram did when he was in Ur Kasdim, or Yaakov did when he went to Lovin and Mitzrayim. His main idea was Eze Gibor, what kind of gvura, an internal gvura, to fight the Yitzhahara internally. This was what his job was as the Mashiach ben Yosef. Now Yaakov was basically, ultimately Yaakov was both, that he encompassed both the Mashiach ben Yosef and the Mashiach ben David, and I'll get more into that when we talk about Yaakov, what that really means, because that can only be understood in the context of Yaakov and Esau. In any case, Yaakov was ultimately involved in both ideas. Now, we see... Actually, we see Yaakov being involved in both ideas because in the beginning, the Torah says he was Yeshiv Eholam, that he dwelt in tent, which means that his job was to learn Torah and to develop himself in, in terms of as much of a tzaddik as he can. This is the idea of Ispashtis Kedusha internally, means to spread Kedusha throughout the self, means to learn Torah, to, to try to do as much mitzvahs as possible in a very uh, superlative way. So therefore, the, uh, originally Yaakov Avinu was involved Yeshiva Holom, which means to spread Kedusha, that's the internal spreading Kedusha, that's the Indian of Ben David. Later, when Yaakov went into Golas, he was involved in what? In subjugating the Sitra Achra externally. You see? Subjugating the Yitzhar externally because he had to remain free, of course, of the influences of Lovan, and then later on, of course, Mitzrayim. But Be'ika, he had to remain free of the influences of Lovan. Therefore, we see that Avram, who was a Shurish of Mashiach ben David, was involved in spreading the knowledge of God throughout the world, and that is the task of Mashiach ben David. But that's an external Hispashtis Kedusha. Yitzchak, who was a Shurish of Mashiach ben Yosef, was involved in Gvura which means to fight the Yitzhahara, but that's an internal kfiyah, means subjugation of the Yitzhahara. And Yitzchok, of course, was Mashiach bin Yosef. Yaakov originally was the union of Mashiach bin David, so therefore he was Yeshiva Yoholam, which means that he would spread Kedusha. However, that was an internal Hispashtis Kedusha, which was different than Avram's Hispashtis Kedusha, which means to spread it out to all mankind. Later on, as a result of Esau's failure, which we'll see later, he then, of course, assumed the Mashiach bin Yosef's task, and therefore he, of course, went into the Golas in terms of Lovan, and he, of course, he fought the Yitzhahara externally. It means he 
made sure that he wouldn't be influenced by Lovin's lifestyle and in general by the people of Choram. So therefore this is what each of's contribution to those tikkunim are. Now, the last element is what did they leave over to Kleinsfeld as a result. Essentially that what they left over that all Jews are now involved basically in these two ideas. All Jews are masakin in the sense that they can all correct the deficiencies and the damages of creation. They can all deal with the concealment of the presence of the Bereshim in the Bria and that all Jews are able to correct those kind of deficiencies. Therefore, they can produce the necessary tikkunim or corrective measures. So therefore, all Jews are either from the Mashiach ben Yosef side or the Mashiach ben David side in the sense that all Jews are always involved in those two kinds of directions. Either they are contending with the Eight Zahara, the internal one and the external one, or they are contending with his Pashtas Kedusha to become righteous either internal or also external. And this basically divides itself in three different kind of situations that Jews find themselves. Either they're fighting the Sitra Akhra, which is the Eight Sahara, and they're trying to remain at Sadiq, or the Yidin are suffering at the hands of the Goyim, and they are trying to remain with the belief in God and also in the Tariyag Mitzvahs. And the third situation is where the Jews are trying to proclaim to the knowledge of the Rebbeinu to all Jews and to all nations. So therefore, Klai is involved in all those tikkunim also. We now see what the general structure of an Ov is. <clears throat> and if you want to go back into the Chumash, you'll see that all the different maizim and the incidents that happen with the Ovis are nothing more than reflections of these four different basic kinds of tasks. And this is what I really try to essentially give you. To summarize, in terms of what is the conceptual structure of an of, basically it boils down to three different ideas. The first idea is to procure the concept of a masakin. That's the first idea. That's what each of tried to do. To make sure that they would fulfill the task of why man was created in the first place in order to reveal the Rabbanishtim throughout the Bria. It's the whole Tachas why a man was created. And the reward would be that to the extent that he revealed the Rabbanishtim in the Bria, that is the exact amount of revelation that he would experience in Ilam Habo, if you recall. So therefore the first primary purpose of an Av is to make sure that he is the one that can do these things. The second primary purpose of an Av is to produce the Tikkunah to make sure that the universe does have the Rabbani Shalom back into it. And that is done by, as I mentioned, the two specific ways. One is to promote the Rabbani Shalom throughout the Bria, and the second, which means to perceive and to publicize this, and the second method or instrument that one does the Tikkunim, of course, is by adapting and adhering to the Rabbani Shalom's will which means Tayyad Mitzvahs and also the Midas. Those two ideas, to promote the Rabbanu and to ad- adapt his will, those are the two mechanisms, the instruments, by which the others are massacring the Bria, and that's what they wanted to in the first place. And the third major idea in the Ov is that not only would they be involved in being massacring the Bria through these two tasks, 
but also they would be the shurish, the root for their descendants, that their descendants also would be involved in being Masak and the Bria. Until what's called the Tikkun HaKloli, the general state of the universe would be completely corrected, and that would be by the Mursa Mashiach. And you should know that every Jew has one aspect that he has to fix. Every Jew, his specific task is to massacre in some aspect where God is hidden in the Bria. And I had once mentioned that quite a while back, exactly how that how that's manifested. But in any case, there you have it. The three fundamental ideas of an Og is to procure that concept of Tikkun Masakin, to produce the Tikkunim through the two ways of instruments, to promote the Rebbein and to adopt his will. And the third idea is to, to bequeath this or to transfer this on to their descendants that they should also be involved in these ideas, these Tikkunim. And you should know that is the entire tachas of an of, in terms of what they themselves had to do, and in terms of the fact that they had to tra- transmit this to the Klai Yisrael. And the reason why the Ovis were always concerned with this, and that is the whole concept of an of, is because the whole reason that why man was created was to do this task, to make sure that the Rebbein again is revealed in the Bria, and that is done by man's recognizing the Rabbanishlam. And like I say before, and to the extent that man would recognize and testify to the unity of the Rabbanishlam, to that extent would he be masig that unity or that experience of the Rabbanishlam in Ulam Habo, Mido Kenegin Mido. This ends the idea of the general structure of the Av. It sounds a little theoretical, but it's very important to know because if you understand this, you understand basically what an Av is, and what the whole mission of Klai Yisrael is. Basically, it's summarized in just these three ideas. Now, where we see this illustrated, there is a famous statement that's brought down in the Medrash Tanchuma, the Midrash Tanchuma, and the Ramban mentions it. It's a very famous Ramban that's brought down in Lech uh, Lecho, in, uh, in, in Parashas Lech Lecho. It says in the Medrash that everything that happens to the fathers, the patriarchs, to the others, is a simon that this will also happen to their descendants. In other words, to put it shortly, that which transpired with the others will occur to their descendants. This is a very famous Maima which Ramban brings down and it's repeated many times in many different shurim. In other words, what does that mean? It means basically that the history of the Ovis is a forerunner. It foreshadows the history of the descendants. That's what this simple statement means. Most people understand it on that level. However, once we understand that the Ovis, one of the major tasks of the Ovis is to be a forerunner of their descendants, that their descendants also should be involved in the same work as the others, right? Therefore, this then takes on a deeper meaning. It's the reverse. Not that the Maisa Ovis are similar bonum, but the Maisa bonum is a similar Ovis. Because in, since the idea is that, the, that if an Ov does something, for instance, Avroma Vino, 
If Avram Avinu would, uh, would adopt or personify the Mid of Chesed, well, what would happen would be is that his neshama would be distributed to all Klai Yisrael and everybody would intuitively feel like doing Chesed. That's the idea. Therefore, if that is the case, if Avram is, has the power of being a Shurish, means a root, and Yitzchak and Yaakov, where they, whereby they can actually influence all neshamas of Klai Yisrael intuitively or internally, if that's the case, then whatever happens to the Jews must happen to the others so that they can set the example and the pace and therefore it can go back to their kids. You see the way it works? That whatever would happen to Klai Yisrael would happen to the others that they can act as a shirish, that they can embed or make an impression, a lasting impression of their acts on their neshama and this would enable Klai Yisrael later on would also go through those events to succeed in accomplishing the uh, whatever task they had to do. You see, it works the reverse way. What does that mean? It means that we see that the future events of Klai Yisrael is purposely given to the others, that they should act in a certain way, and as a result of their acting that way, this would become embedded in their neshama, and that neshama, which is distributed to Klai Yisrael, would then aid Klai Yisrael in withstanding the test situations which they have to withstand after the Ovis. So that's a different way of looking at Maisa Ovis similar bonum. Everybody looks at the reverse, that Maisa Ovis similar bonum is that which happens to the Ov, happens to the children. And it's interesting and worthwhile to examine minutely the entire story of the Ovis, and that's why the Torah spent so much time bringing them out. Because if you look at it, you will see how each one is actually a reflection of what happens to Israel through their 4,000 years of history. It's an interesting study in itself. What I'm saying is the reverse, <clears throat> is that the reason why the Ovis, what happened to the Ovis is a similar bonum, is because since it had to happen to the bonum, Therefore, the others had to engage in those very situations and incidents in order that they should embed in their neshama the prerequisites which would enable Klai Yisrael thousands of years later to withstand the different nasiyonis that they would go through. In other words, the principle of their being an of, this is the principle of the matter, the fact that the of was a shirish, that dictated that they would live future events. It's a topsy-turvy way of looking at it. And this is really the fundamental and profound way of understanding what that medrash means and what the Ramban really means. And just very superficially, we can see how this really manifested itself in terms of what the Ovis went through, also went through Klai Yisrael. For instance, when the Ramban says, when Avram Avinu went to Israel, his first stop was Shechem. And the idea of Shechem was that he should mispalel for what would happen later to Klai Yisrael by Yaakov, that Dina would be abducted, and that Shimon and Levi would, of course, attempt to rescue her by killing out the whole city. So Avram came there, of course, to be mispal for what would happen in the future. So that's one kind of incident. Another incident is by Hebron, where Avram and Sarah were both promised that Malochum Mimcho Yitzayu, Kings will arise from you, 
And Dovra Melech began his kingdom in Hebron, the exact same place where the Melucha royalty was said that what happened to the to Klai Israel, that's of course where the Melucha happened. That's another example. Another example is that when Yaakov, when Avram came to to Eretz Israel, there was a great famine and he had to go to Egypt. And of course, he hid the fact that Sarah was his wife because maybe they'd kill him and abduct Sarah. Therefore, that provided again a basis for Klai Israel because if you recall, why did the Jews go to Egypt? Because of hunger. Yaakov and his sons went to Egypt because of hunger, because there was a raw of birds, just like Avram. And while in Egypt, of course, what happened? That, that the Egyptians had designs on the males and not on the, and uh, to kill them, in a sense that that was the xera that all males should die. Again, again, you see the idea that what happens to Avram happens to the Eden. And just like Avram went in and went out untouched, the same thing Eden went in Mitzrayim and went out untouched. See again, you see the idea that whatever happens to the others, happens to these Klai Yisrael, because since they are a Shirish, they must go through the future events in order to give the strength of Klai Yisrael to withstand the different ideas going on. And basically they do that in two, two ways. We have seen how the attributes of the others, Chesed, Gvura, uh, and, 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 and Tiferes, and so on, Truth, how these themselves have actually been inherited in Klai Israel as national traits because these traits enable the Jews to go through history doing the mitzvahs and withstanding the entire idea of Yitzhahara and being Moise Nefesh as I had mentioned that they have Azus and so on stubbornness and so on so therefore the Ovis gave or transmitted the inheritance of the national traits or characteristics so in this way they were Moise of a similar bottom and the second idea is that the Ovis also went through the same incidents the same kind of events that would also transpire to Klai Israel, to give Klai Israel the koyach to withstand what would in the future happen to them. This is the second idea of Ovis. And this is again the idea of Mais Ovis Simenobonim. And what it really means is that Simenobonim is really Mais Ovis, the reverse. You know, a good way to understand it is like, is like a mother or father, both of them, pass on to their child resistances to the diseases, right? It doesn't mean that the child won't get sick. The child will get sick. But what it means is that the child has the antibodies to fight. It's able to resist the disease, not succumb, and also therefore to become healthy. The same idea that the others gave the resistances to Israel to not to succumb to the forces of the eight Sahara to the forces of Yisurun, the forces of pogroms and persecutions and all the thousands of years that Jews had to go through. Therefore, not that the Jews won't be subjugated to this, but that they will be able to fight successfully, marshalling their own forces, because they also have Bechira. They have, even though somebody has antibodies resistant, he still has to do the right things. He has to eat properly, he has to sleep properly. He still has to do the correct things if he's going to win out with the disease or he's going to allow the antibodies to fight the disease. The same thing. Jews still have to withstand the Nisirinus over the thousands of years. But since they have the antibodies, the characteristics of the Ovis, and the Kuchus that the Ovis gave them through their actions, therefore using their own Bechira, they're able to <clears throat> fight and withstand and not succumb <clears throat> to the Yitzhahara 
and to all the forces that would tend to destroy. That analogy is a good analogy in terms of the distinction between the Jews' Bechira, because they have to have Bechira too, but they have the resistances from the Ovas. So the combination of the resistance of the Ovas and their own fighting, maintaining a regimen to, to conquer the disease, is what eventually gets them out of the disease. I want to go into the idea of the structure of the chesed and, and so on in terms of some of the spheres which are very important to understand and then we will go back into Yitzchak.